Murdering Michael Malloy is an original screenplay based on a notorious true crime case that happened in the Bronx, New York in the early 1930s. It involved a man named Anthony Marino, the owner of a bar that faced constant financial problems, a group of Marino's cohorts, and an aging neighborhood drunk named Michael Malloy. In the previous episodes, Marino and his gang have taken out three separate life insurance policies on Malloy, with the assumption that with their help, he'll drink himself to death in no time. Unfortunately, their first attempt at taking his life, which involved leaving him passed out and naked in the snow on a winter night, didn't bring the desired results, as the following day, Michael Malloy showed up at Marino's bar. A second attempt on his life by attempting to poison him also failed to kill the indestructible Malloy. With the insurance premiums coming due and constant pressure from the local loan shark, Tiny Bestone, an increasingly desperate Anthony Marino and his gang made another attempt to kill Malloy, this time by repeatedly running him over with a car. Unfortunately, Malloy's corpse was never discovered, which meant no death certificate could be issued. Determined to get the job done, the gang decided to kill another man who fit Malloy's description by running him over with a car. As this episode opens, Marino discovers that this plan may not have produced the desired effect. He's over at Lincoln Hospital. They called me on account of the ID listed me as his last employer. Now I'm on the goddamn hook, Tony. I didn't run him over, and I'm on the goddamn hook. How the hell could he still be alive? We run him over at least three times. Four. I counted. Jesus, Tony. They're expecting me since he got no family. I can't go there. If you don't, they might get suspicious. But what if he recognizes me? What if he remembers what happened? So Frank Pasqua, who made his living burying the dead, went to see the still-living victim of another Marino gang murder attempt. John Murray was indeed alive, though his body was covered in casts and his eyes tightly bandaged and his mouth wired shut. John, is uh, that you in there? I, I, I can't speak hardly. So, uh, what happened to you? Uh, or don't you remember? Uh, I, I got a job. Didn't, well, it wasn't a lot, and I was on the ground. Oh, uh, then what happened? Uh, not sure. It goes blank for me. Oh, well, that's good. What? Uh, nothing. Who are you anyway? The doctor. Uh, you're going to be fine, John. You might have some hallucinating, maybe remember some stuff wrong. If it's anything scary or violent, you know, just put it out of your uh, head. That way you'll get better faster. You get me? Uh, oh, thanks, Doc. When do I get out of here? Oh, any day now. Just relax and don't talk to nobody. It's bad for your jaw. At the same time as Frank Pasqua was visiting John Murray, Anthony Marino was sitting alone at his bar, scanning the afternoon papers and staring at the headline he had figured out. Hit and run in Bronx, victim clinging to life. Say, Anthony. What do you want? Just thought I'd pay a social. I brought a friend of mine. I ain't serving. He says he ain't serving, Tiny. You got Tiny with yeah, you? Yeah, I got Tiny with me. I'd open up if I were you, Anthony. Sure. Hi, Tiny. Sorry about that. Come in. I was just... Oh! oh. Ah, what the hell? Oh. Thanks for holding out on me, you cheap dago bastard. I don't know what you're talking about. Nothing goes on in the Bronx that Tiny Bastone don't know about. I know you've been playing me, Tony. How much trouble would a mokes like you go through to collect on a measly $800 policy? What half of that going to me? 
You thought you could hide those other two policies from me because you didn't want to split what I got coming to me? Well, think again, shit for brains. Not only am I getting my take on those three policies, but I'm up at the 75%. And if I don't get my money by the end of the week, I'll take your bar away from you myself, along with everything else you got. Not that it's worth anything. Come on, Joe. Sorry, Anthony. You ratted me out, you son of a bitch. That's what you get for giving Carol Lombard a shiner. A couple of hours later, the gang was back at the empty bar. So what happened? I'm still not sure. What I know is I come in and I found Tony on the floor all beat up. He kept muttering something about Carol Lombard. Sounds like he got bashed in the head, but good. Anyway, I took him upstairs and gave him one of them sleeping potions. He'll, he'll feel better when he comes to. Wonder who'd want to beat up Tony. Come on, genius. Use what brains you got. Best on. Naturally, Tony's in a hock to him up to his eyeballs. Come in. Thank you, Joseph. Malloy? Malloy? Son of a bitch. Evening, gents. Why, you look as if you'd seen a ghost. Yeah. Funny that. Possibly it's the clothes. They're new. To me, anyway. Fresher than usual. From the Salvation Army, I'm told. So, uh, where, where you been, Malloy? Where have I been? Why, I've been on a most intoxicating adventure. I've been to lands so exotic that they defy language's ability to evoke their grandeurs. I've been, well, in hospital. For them, to be exact. Gee, you look pretty good for someone who got hit by a car. Joe. And where'd you hear about my accident, lad? Uh, he heard it from me. It's been all around the neighborhood. Has it now? Sure. Matter of fact, the first thing we heard was that you were dead. Aye, that I was. When I arrived at the hospital, they nearly zipped me up and readied me for my maker. But do you know something, lads? To the astonishment of the good men and women of the medical fraternity... I not only survived a broken collarbone and three smashed vertebrae, I healed in what was generally considered a world's record time of ten days. The brace comes off in a week. Guess that deserves a round. Aye, lad. But not for me. You see, while I was in the hospital, I was also treated for dipsomania. You mean you got the cure? That I did. And I made a bargain with our Lord Jesus Christ that if he allowed me to walk out of the hospital the same man as before physically, I'd be a changed man morally. I'd never take a drink again. Off the bottle. But seeing as how I've built up something of a thirst over the past weeks, I might consent to a wee one poured into a glass. Sure. Why not, Joe? But only if you gents join me. We'll toast to life in its infinite and mysterious permutations. Life's plans for us are always more interesting than our plans for life. But Christ has me exactly where he wants me, humbly before him, a sinner at the feet of our Lord. As Michael Malloy revealed his newfound religious streak, he and the rest of them failed to see Anthony Marino standing at the top of the stairs, staring darkly at the man who he could not kill. He asks me right now 
From within the glass I stare into how much his presence is worth. How much the cost of my thirst versus the glory of his benevolence. For it's his will which we struggle against in our fruitless endeavors to outwit him. And by so doing, it's his will which we fulfill. J-E-S-U-S. Just exactly suits us sinners. Exalted in his newfound peace and serenity, Michael Malloy failed to see Anthony Marino quietly making his way down the stairs. Joseph, do you remember a conversation we had once about the answer to the mystery of life? Why, sure. You said that once we found out the answer, it was too late to do nothing about it. Ah, that I did. But I think I've discovered it anyway, Joseph. The answer to the mystery of life is that life is no different than death. And love is no different than hate. And good and love live within the same womb I hate and evil. To live is to die every second. To love is to destroy every moment. One birth, another death, do you see? Though Malloy didn't see Marino advancing slowly down the stairs, the others did. Kreisberg gave a signal to the others to be quiet. That's because he saw that Marino had a blackjack in his hand. And all men kill the thing they love. By all, let this be heard. Some do it with a bitter look, some with a flattering word. Some love too little, some too long, some sell and others buy. Some do the deed with many tears, and some without a sigh. For each man kills the thing he loves, yet each man does not die. Malloy did not turn to face Marino as he said, I feel you behind me, Anthony. Remember when I said that I had something you need, and that both of us will be better for the exchange? Only I couldn't figure out what it was. Well, I think we both know what it is now. Malloy. It's all right, Anthony. Quickly, lad. <coughs> you done it. You done it, Tony. Huh. I think he's really dead this time. Let's get the doctor here before anything goes wrong. Shut up, all of you. We're not taking any more chances. Get the car, Harry. We're taking him over to Joe's. Remember, two honks if someone's coming in. Got it. Help me lift them, Joe. Here we go. Put him on the bed. I, I told you he was happy for a second guy. You got the right ID this time. Yep. Here it is. Michael Malloy. All right, put it on him. Say, what's that on your back? Rubber hose. Attach it. To what? The stove, you goddamn idiot. But he's already dead. I'm not taking any chances. Now hold his mouth and pinch it shut. Uh, Holy Jesus, uh, he's still alive! Son of a bitch! Uh, ah, and my God, where am I? Where's my blackjack? Ah! Uh, and get that, get that hose in his mouth. Turn up the gas. Oh, maybe we sit on. Give me a pillow. Oh man! Get get on top of him. Jump on him. Well, I keep oh. the pillow over him. I, I, I think, I think when you die, everybody you ever seen in, in your life comes into your head. 
all the faces like camera pictures, but flying in an airplane across across the sky, like like moving pictures, but only in color, all, all kinds of colors. And, and, and then you go to you go to wherever you get to go, right? Right? Don't don't you think, Tony? Tony, he died, right? Yeah, Joe, he's dead. Cause of death? Uh, pneumonia uh, compounded by uh, alcoholism. Uh, what about them bruises on his face? Well, well you'll have to ask Mr. Malloy uh, in his next lifetime. I'm sorry to hear about your brother's passing, Mr. Malloy. Yeah, well, what are you going to do? Now, about that insurance policy. That's your take, Harry. Frank, count your pile and make sure I divvied it up right. And Joe, you got yours over here. Gee, this is an awful lot of money, Tony. And this ain't even half. What, with the big ones still to come? Murph, you wait another day or two, then you go in and collect on the double demity. Smart idea spacing them out, Tony. Nobody's gonna get the wrong idea. What wrong idea? A rummy kick, then we got what we deserve. How about a toast? Yeah, to Tony Marino, the best boss anyone ever had. And a Michael Malloy for making us work for what we earned. And forgive me this, his lucky gold piece. Gold smold. From the drugstore. You gonna hock it, Tony? Maybe. Or maybe I was wrong all this time, thinking luck was a sucker's religion. It sure seemed to bring him luck. After all, how many rummies can survive what Malloy done survived? The next day, Joe Murphy, also known as Joe Malloy, went to the New York Marine Insurance Company to collect the final and largest payout. I'm afraid there'll be a slight delay before we'll be able to process your payment. How long? A week, maybe a little longer. You see, given the size of the policy, we reserve the right to exhume the body and perform our own autopsy. But Dr. Manzella said it was natural causes. Dr. Manzella had his license revoked last week. That afternoon, Frank Pasqua arrived at the graveyard where Michael Malloy was buried to perform a routine burial. But when he passed Michael Malloy's grave, he noticed a hole in the ground and two men carrying a casket away. Hey, fellas, where are you taking that thing? What's going on here? Something about an autopsy. The next day, at the offices of New York Marine Insurance Company... I trust you'll find everything you need in our report on the exhumation of Michael Malloy. Hmm, traces of wood alcohol, horse liniment, nails, metal shavings, and antifreeze? Keep reading. 17 separate broken ligaments, 26 fractures, punctured lung, collapsed kidneys, and asphyxiation due to illuminating gas poisoning? Only hours later, the new district attorney for the Bronx had arrived. His name was Foley, Samuel J. Foley. He met with DeMonzi from the coroner's office in the autopsy room. The corpse of Michael Malloy lay on the table between them. We contacted the beneficiary, Mr. Malloy's brother, to see if he can shed some light on the events. It's one of the vilest, most perplexing cases I've ever come across. I don't know why you called me, Tony. He just said we needed to answer a few more questions about Malloy. Look, don't give up nothing too much too fast. I'll handle most of it unless I tell you to speak. Get me? Tony, what if there's something wrong? Just relax. There's nothing tying us to that body. After all, who's to say who killed him? Maybe Malloy left the bar that night and Bastone did him. That's it. Bastone killed him because Rummy owed him dough. Wallet and keys. Why we gotta give you our wallet? It's regulations. The district attorney's office. I don't write them. Now empty your pockets. Gentlemen, thank you for taking the time to come here. I, I know it's been a hard time losing your brother. Oh, we don't mind. Uh, Mr. Malloy, how old was your brother at the time of his death? Uh, I think, uh, Tony? Why, he was in his, uh... uh Mr. Malloy can answer for himself. Was he older than you? 
Oh, sure. Plenty. Maybe he was uh, 35, 40. Mr. Marino, is it? Yeah. What's it to you? I was just wondering what your relationship to the Malloy family is. Well, Mr. Malloy's brother here, I kind of take care of him, see? He works for me and I pay his board out of his take on account of... I, I don't think so good. It's like an arrangement of sorts. Is there anything wrong with that? Well, not in and of itself. It's just that it's come to our attention that Mr. Malloy may not have died of natural causes. Uh, indeed, your brother may have died of considerably unnatural causes. What's that got to do with me? Mr. Malloy, your brother was 68 years old when he died. Uh, well, like I said, he, he's my older brother. Mr. Malloy, do you have any proof of identity? I'm his proof of identity. I'm sorry if you took my questions the wrong way. We're just interested in bringing the murder of Mr. Malloy to justice. Murderer? Mr. Malloy died a death so grotesque that I doubt New York State has any precedent for how to deal with the perpetrator of such a crime. Or perpetrators, as the case may be. Well, then, I hope you find him. And if you want to talk more to us, we'll be around. Only I hope you'll be a little nicer to my friend Joe Murphy here. Joe who? Joe Malloy. He lost his brother, and this is a time when you got to be a little sensitive with a fellow like him. Understood. Please bring Mr. Marino and Mr. Malloy their belongings. You mind if I check my wallet? I had a fin in there when I came in. I can assure you it's still there, but go ahead and check anyway. Hmm. That's a nice gold piece you got. Thanks. It brings me luck. Well, let me take a look at that. I don't have my glasses on. What's it say on the back? Uh, it says, uh, Tony Marino's lucky gold piece. And Samuel Foley looked at the gold piece that Michael Malloy himself had shown him in the bar on a day only a few months earlier. The inscription hadn't changed. First prize, storytelling. Denegal County Fair, 1903. Would you mind stepping back into my office for a moment? It took less than the rest of the afternoon for the Marino gang to fold on each other. Not that it did them any good in the long run. It wasn't my idea. I tried to stop them. They just used my cap. I'm an undertaker. They gave me a body to bury. Tony and Joe just gave me a dead body to bury. What did I know? I ain't saying nothing. Tony's my friend, and I don't rat out a friend. But if you want to know the truth, it was Tony's idea. I just worked for him. Dead man ate nails for lunch. Murdering trust is suspicious gang in New York. Gas tomorrow. Death after running him over with a car. Murdered trust. Most vicious gang in New York. Nails for lunch. Drink antifreeze for dinner. Harry Kreisberg and Frank Pasqua were executed by electrocution at Sing Sing Prison on June 7th, 1934. After winning three reprieves on the grounds of questionable mental competence, Joseph Murphy was executed by electrocution at Sing Sing on July 5th, 1934. On the afternoon of September 6th, 1934, Anthony Marino waited in his cell to be taken to the electric chair. All right, Marino, you got one last minute of your life to say your prayers. Clock starts ticking now. Marino, you hear me? It's the strangest thing, Ed. He's been sleeping all day, peaceful as a baby. He even gets a smile on his face sometimes, like he's having a really nice dream. Can you beat that? And that's because Anthony Marino was having a very nice dream. It was set in a ballroom high above the Manhattan skyline. He was wearing a tuxedo and dancing with the real Carol Lombard until... Excuse me, but may I cut in? Sure, Malloy. I'm sure Carol will be glad to give you a spin around the floor. Oh, not with her. With you, Anthony. Why not? Why, you dance divinely, Anthony. Another of your hidden talents. Thanks. But what the hell are you and I doing here? 
We meet as other people in the life we go to as our reward. What's that supposed to mean? I've joined your better half to yourself, Anthony. We too have merged as we were meant to. At least the faults of my indulgences have been tempered by your admirable ambition. We are finally dancing in the stars. I need a drink. A sardine sandwich, perhaps? I said a drink. And you, dear lad, have you not acquired the calm that was eluding you through this life? I have been feeling better of late. What was that thing you said to me once about how we do in ourselves when we do in, you know, like I did you in? It's not a happy verse. And there till Christ call forth the dead, in silence let him lie. No need to waste the foolish tear or heave the windy sigh. I think it's time you join me, Anthony. Don't worry. Things will be better next time through. They couldn't get worse. The, the man, man had, had killed, killed the, the thing, thing he loved, and, and so he had, had to die. die. That was the final episode of Murdering Michael Malloy, a four-part podcast adaptation of the original screenplay by the same name, written by Raymond DiFelida and David Zellerford, and recorded for season one of Screenplay Resurrection by Hangover Lounge. Murdering Michael Malloy stars the late Kevin Conway as Michael Malloy and Joseph DeVito as Anthony Marino. Robert Bruzio plays Murphy, Frank Whaley plays Kreisberg, Michael Rispoli plays Pasquale, Joe Perino plays Maglioni, and Gary Pastori plays Tiny Bastone. Other voices include Kyle Kessis, Chuck Montgomery, and Rachel McIntosh. I'm your narrator, Farron Neme. You can follow us on Instagram at Screenplay Resurrection and join our mailing list at screenplayresurrection.com. There you will find all the information you need to enter your own screenplay for consideration for an audio production on our podcast. Thanks for listening, and please come back for more.